0: Welcome to episode 83 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about a new deep-sea jellyfish that was caught on video for the first time by scientists, and I talk about another dinosaur skeleton that was sold at auction for an exorbitant amount of money. We learn about two new interesting picks and about our one-in-a-kind Animal of the Week. So let's dive into episode 83 of the Animal Addicts podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Animal Addicts podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new batch of awesome animals. But before we get into that, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you?
1: So I started watching the new season of Stranger Things.
0: Nice. I did that all in a day. How did you like it? I love it. Okay, good. I mostly oh. liked it, but I did find a problem where I was like, this is this is unrealistic. <laughs> but then I'm also like, we don't look need at this realism. show. <laughs> this show is so unrealistic anyway, but there were so many things I was like, that makes... And then I just like just give up (laughs) it's obviously crazy sci-fi anyway so
1: yeah um so yeah i like it i know i remember my sister and i were talking about some people were trashing on this season compared to the other seasons i don't agree i like this season and we were talking about it my sister and i agree that of the seasons so far our least favorite is season two
0: I don't know if I remember season two, which was a season of Bob. I liked that season.
1: That was season two.
0: I liked that one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> was it because of Bob?
0: I liked Bob. And then also I loved all the things of like, oh, spoilers, folks. If you haven't watched that by now, you're really behind. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, Bob from Stranger Things. And it's like... Okay samwise did not help frodo throw (laughs) this into the fiery pits of mordor so you could call him bob from stranger things and like you like child or something like that and then there's another one that was like but from the goonies did this you fetus anyway i'm just like oh sean astin i love you Uh, anyway um sean astin is amazing mm -hmm. also rudy but anyway i've
1: decided now me and my sister are planning on rewatching all of it
0: it'd probably be good to watch it all together yeah
1: first we because the only one we haven't rewatched was season three because normally what would happen is she and i would watch it she would watch it by herself first then she would watch it with me first oh and then we watch it as a family together well
0: that's like cheating i don't care okay <laughs> okay we're
1: the fanatics we're allowed to do so
0: i know but i would feel like you're not supposed to watch it before you watch it with me otherwise like you know stuff i already don't know that's not fair
1: well, to the family, it doesn't matter.
0: I mean, the family doesn't seem like they care, but like I would care if you're the two that are crazy yeah. about it.
1: I think one time we did watch it together, and neither of us watched it beforehand, but my family watched a lot of the season without me because one of the days we were spo- I was um, we were going to watch it. They still watched it. Was when I was working on this.
0: Oh yeah, I know we've had a lot of work to do on this because of our friggin delays with technical issues
1: yeah and then there was other delays related to other stuff because i was behind i was like i'm not skipping ahead yeah i can't leave plot twists
0: yeah <laughs> um so so i guess we round up like season one is christmas lights <laughs> season two is bob <laughs> season three is the mall <laughs>
1: yeah and, <laughs> and my... season
0: four is well we won't say anything about that one because mm-hmm. that's still new and people probably haven't watched it yet
1: yeah and two more episodes left of it that come out in july <laughs>
0: Oh, there are two more still? Yes, okay, two more. I was and like, this the... is a weird place to leave it. Yeah, okay. and one of the
1: episodes is over two hours.
0: Oh, snap. Yeah. Wait, is this the final season, or are they doing one more They're after doing this? one more after this okay. one. All right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so far I've liked it. I just, mm-hmm. that makes sense then, because I was like, is this the end? <laughs> because that's kind of a weird place to leave this. Yeah.
1: No, there's two more episodes left for this okay, season. Okay, cool.
0: That makes me feel better, mm-hmm. but yeah. No, I liked, because wasn't the Bob, wasn't the Bob season also where, um... Oh, my God. Why am I blanking on his name right now? Cool hair. Where he was a babysitter. Wasn't that the main... Yeah, that was the main season where he was the main babysitter, right? Because they had the, like, dog-like ones coming after them. Yeah, I loved all that. (laughs) That stuff was great. Why can't I think of his name? I just... been. Thank you, Steve. I just binged (laughs) it, like, what, two weeks ago? Not even? Anyway, he's
1: Uh, amazing. Yes.
0: But, yeah, so... um, also, there's a lot more D&D in this one. But, of course, very negatively represented for the most part. Oh, yeah. It's
1: like, I kind of wanted to, like, look back at old, like, news stories. Like, was this a thing?
0: Oh, yeah. That was, I mean, I wasn't alive. But it was a huge, like, Satan, satanic panic, I think. they were saying that, like, oh, they're teaching your kids to do these kinds of things. Oh, and my yada, yada, and it's all crazy. And I'm like, that's not how D&D works. <laughs> anyway. Also, I love the dramatic, like, that's not really a spoiler. But, like, the big game, the end of the session thing. Mm-hmm. And then they are throwing the uh, d20 and i'm like i have never in my life thrown a d first of all nobody i guess you could but like everyone gathered around the table and one person <laughs> like launches like full-on like crap style vegas <laughs> d20 and like i mean mm-hmm. i've seen different rolling techniques but never that in my life yeah. Also, if you did that and you actually had the characters out for your battle map, mm-hmm. you would knock everyone down. We've already had that happen by accident. <laughs> you're not going to launch your D20 into, like, the oh battle map because you're going to you just kill everybody. And sometimes it sucks because you're like, I don't know where that person was. So, anyway. But um, but I digress. So, anyway, so you're liking it.
1: Yes, I like it. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So, now I have to rewatch from season one. So, I am back to now.
0: I'm also just very... um. I don't know if I can say that bit because... Okay, spoilers. I'm saying spoilers right now. So if you have not watched the most current season of Stranger Things, don't listen for the next, like, 30 seconds. I also find it challenging because Hopper is sent to the prison in Russia. Yeah. And in Black Widow, <laughs> he's in a prison in Russia. I know! <laughs> so I'm, <just> like, <laughs> I'm like... so Stranger Things has led him to become the Russian guy? <laughs> i'm like i'm so this is so crazy i'm like is it the same prison like i'm so anyway
1: watch there's gonna be a black widow stranger (laughs) things crossover i
0: know i was like this is very weird for me Uh, anyway there's just so there's just there's a lot of things but anyway yeah i just there's so many things and i'm just like a lot of the stuff with like the plane and them mm -hmm. and like surviving in russia to get to this prison i'm like that no
1: my sister actually didn't like much of that part she found it kind of boring
0: well, mostly I'm just like, you would have died. First of all, that yeah. plane crash, you would have died. And then you have to get through Russia to get to this remote prison. You would have died. <laughs> like, I'm like, there's just all, none of this makes any sense at all. I mean, I know obviously the show is crazy. Yeah. And I accept all the like science fictiony stuff. But I'm like, but the stuff that like is reality based should probably yeah. be a little more. What's the name of
1: the cookie guy with the one with the glasses? That's what's Joyce.
0: Oh God, what is his name? I just blinked on it. Wow, my brain is just gone. I can't remember anyone's name. No, uh, no, because Yuri and something E. Bobby? Not Bobby.
1: I know it ends with like an E. Too. It ends with an E. Ooh. I
0: swear against the beat built, no, not Billy, because that's the one dude. No. Uh, that really bothers me, and I like have to know that. So you talk about whatever else you were going to talk about. Oh yeah,
1: so I also joined a new Facebook group. It's called Advancing Herpetological Husbandry. So basically what they do is like it's a group where you can all like discuss um, like better quality husbandry techniques um, like habitat enclosure sizes, enclosure setups, different ways of supplementing the diet of your reptiles and that kind of thing to improve the quality of life because we all agree like the substandards of the general care is... Below, far below optimal for how you should be capable. Do we think that's
0: because of. of a lack of education and people just don't know what they're getting into? Or I believe what?
1: it's a lack of education as well as the industry itself g- promoting lower standards.
0: So kind of like how fish tanks show like seven fish in a two-gallon yeah. tank. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. great.
1: This um, is going to be a topic I'm going to be talking more about in another episode.
0: <laughs> okay, nice.
1: So yeah. So I like that group. Learned a lot of stuff from it. So, if you have, like, snakes or anything, I would recommend joining that. They're really nice people. They're not assholes like other groups. <laughs>
0: okay. Good times. Good times. Yeah. Um, By the way, his name is Murray. Murray!
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: There we go. We got it. I know. That was I love Murray. He's awesome. Yeah. He's a crazy. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Just so much of it is such a crazy, it's a yes. crazy, crazy show. But I just mean?
1: like thinking back, it's like, I remember the first episodes It's like, he disappears and there's the lights and now we're here.
0: I know. <laughs> also, isn't it titled Stranger Things because it's like stranger things have happened. No, they haven't. <laughs> This is the strangest thing. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Stranger yeah. things have not happened than this. This is insanity. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Also, Mike, I feel like a lot of people die in this town. Like, it's mm-hmm. I feel like you got a situation going. A very going small through. town. Too. A very small town that also had a mall, though. I know. I don't think that this makes any uh. sense. But it's okay. We're just going to let it go. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, there's not really a good segue here. But um, I decided to watch uh, another documentary. Because I've been behind in that a bit. Mostly, actually, because I saw it advertised. And I was like, oh, they have a new one. I'll watch it. So um, the Disney Nature, they have a new one called Polar Bear. So just right off the bat, I'm going to tell you, technically, it does fit the not safe category. But I'm going to give it a mostly safe, since it's not, like, horribly traumatizing compared to, like, African cats or born <laughs> in China. Because those, I was crying. This one, I was sad, but not crying. Um So mostly just, like, focus on the plight of polar bears in general. It does follow a – well, it follows, like, one specific polar bear. And then it's weird because they do, like, flashbacks, too. It's, it's, it's like, mostly a flashback. But then they have, like, little bits where it's just her – anyway, it's very confusing. (laughs) Because at one point I'm like, there's only one cub. So are you going to address that? And I'm like, oh, no, this is her grown up with her cub. (laughs) Okay, so then it goes back to her with her and her mom and her brother, anyway, who – Spoilers, I won't say what happens, but that's where it gets the not-safe part from. Anyway, um, so, but, um, but it's just really weird. It's a weird one, the way it's narrated. I feel like they just make, they can't stick to a system in how they narrate these movies, and it's very strange, and this one was just very odd, because basically any time a male polar bear comes when they're little, mom, like, gets them away, because mm-hmm. the male polar bear will eat them, obviously, so... So it's, like, saying, like, oh, every time she's seen a male polar bear, it's been danger. But this one is different when she's grown up after mom kicked her out, right? Yeah. It's, like, but this one is different. But they don't just, like, let it do it. They draw it out and make it creepy. <laughs> and then, like like oh but this one well no the first one they met and they just played and like oh they just played Mm -hmm. and it reminded her of playing with her brother and whatever and like they played and then he just went on his own way so i'm like okay i guess he's not very mature either whatever (laughs) anyway and then later it's like but this one is different and then they like walk up a mountain and it's like two days of them walking up this mountain and then i don't even remember what they said i'm like i just am getting like creeper vibes from this like obviously it's not (laughs) it's just a nature documentary we know what's gonna happen here i'm just like why are you presenting it like this it's so weird. So anyway, it's a strange one, and I just felt like like watching Disney kids
1: just pull out the money and get David Attenborough.
0: Also, I just feel like it's not even it doesn't matter who's narrating it; it's still written. They're still gonna say what's written. So I'm like, it was just a very strange way. You don't
1: need to write for David.
0: No, but it's just a strange way of of advertising or not advertising, but of following it. I'm like, just just say that they're gonna. Make babies. Like, just get to it. Stop drawing it out and make it creepy like this. Like, it's fine. It's a nature video. Like, I feel like this would be harder to explain to a small child than just watching, like, a Mutual of Omaha nature video from back in the day. You know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. Anyway. So, it's just, it was weird. Anywho. um, So, yeah. So, technically does fit not safe. I won't tell you exactly why. That is also another thing that is sad, but also they don't address it. They don't give a reason why. (laughs) They just, and it's very, it's a very Lion King type moment, too, Mm because it's just, we keep looking at it. We keep looking at it, but they don't say what happened. I'm like, starvation? Trauma? I don't see trauma, Mm -hmm. so I'm guessing starvation. Did they get sick? Like, I would like an answer Mm -hmm. and not just stare at this thing and not tell me what happened. Because obviously you probably know because you've been following them. Also, it must have taken, like, so many years to film this thing so many years mm-hmm. anyway because it's barely like what they're with their mom now it's been a bit since i've watched it, i guess but it was like five, no not five years but it's multiple years they're with mom yeah and then she's off on her own and like i think she was off on her own for like two years at least before she like bred so anyway so this is a long time to be filming this thing <laughs> anyway so newest one to add to the list um i'll give it mostly safe since it's not traumatizing also just wouldn't be my first choice one to watch i'm gonna say there you go Obvi- and obviously there's seals that don't do well
1: <laughs> seal death <out. laughs>
0: yes um but they're pretty good about not making that really gory at least but yeah how they just don't show it
1: oh my gosh
0: yeah they just don't really i mean they show them grab and then they don't really show the rest mm-hmm. so anyway so that's that um but yeah so let's get into the stories that we wanted to talk about today mm-hmm. and casey yes
1: yeah, Sally.
0: what what are you gonna talk about
1: Scientists have captured a brand new deep-sea jellyfish species on camera.
0: That's crazy. So uh, we didn't know that it existed before, or we just have never gotten it on camera before? Both.
1: So it was officially described this year, but there's been previous sightings. Okay. And this is first time on camera.
0: But, okay, so there's been sightings, but it has been a species that we know about.
1: Has (laughs) not been identified as its own species.
0: Okay. We'll get into it. Okay, 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 I'm sorry, just read your story.
1: Yes, so this comes from the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute who captured the footage of the new species. Um, they have officially published a description in the journal Animals, um, and they have, its scientific name is Atula Reynoldzi. Okay,
0: and that's fun. Reynoldzi? Reynoldzi reynolds
1: <laughs> okay like Re- okay okay, okay, yeah. okay uh the name was in honor of the first volunteer at the Monterey bay aquarium um ed- mbr I's education and conservation partner um jeff reynolds what um, is
0: mbr what, what that, is is that, that is the
1: abbreviation b- for or? monterey bay aquarium research institute
0: okay okay that was- <laughs> not easier i know
1: <laughs> so it was named after jen f Reynolds in honor of him um in recognition of the over four million hours of service that he and other volunteers have contributed to the aquarium over the past 38 years okay
0: i was like you can't donate four million <laughs> hours that doesn't make sense but okay he and the other volunteers gotcha. yes okay
1: he was just the first one and that's why it's okay. in his honor all right but all the volunteers are important because um, they can't accomplish the education and conservation that they do without the volunteers. They dedicate all the time to so the aquarium. So
0: I have a question. Is this like yes. volunteers at the zoo where, like, they tell people about the animals? So, like, they're helping with public stuff or they're helping with, like, actual research type stuff? Because don't you have to actually, you know...
1: It's a mix of both.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Because I know there are, like... Uh, those that are like at the zoo where you're just speaking to a public educating guests, but then they also have some programs where you're actually working with the aquarists and scientists.
0: Okay. That's cool. Mm
1: -hmm. So these guys, uh, they're, as I mentioned, they live very deep and I'm trying to find the depth, but anyways, so like many other sea jellies, they have this dark hue to them, which is very common for deep sea animals because you can't really see red light, so it's good for camouflaging and they stay dark. Okay. And this one, there's several species in the genus Atolla. Um, one of the things that they've noticed is that most have this one single elongated tentacle that sh- trails behind them um, and can be like six times the diameter of the whole jellyfish.
0: Wow, okay, yes. so very large, okay.
1: Yes, but this one's different. It lacks that long, elongated tentacle. Okay. And also, its other tentacles are coiled.
0: Aw, that sounds kind of cute.
1: Yes. And um, the largest specimen they have collected thus far was 13 centimeters across, uh, which also makes it one of the largest species in this genus.
0: That's not very large.
1: No, it's about, but it's large for the genus. Okay. (laughs) They're not big jellies.
0: I guess not.
1: And they, so they've also found through researching this genus, Setola, they have found that the number of tentacles varies, uh, can vary significantly between individuals. And in this species, they can have anywhere from 26 to 39. Okay. And they have collected, they've done observations of this species prior, but it ha- wasn't identified. And they have noticed that it is not a common species. It has only been seen 10 times between April of 2006 and June of
0: 2021. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yes. And so far, it's only been found to live in Monterey Bay at depths of 1,013 meters to 3,189 meters below the surface.
0: So, you know, not deep at all. No, not deep at all. (laughs) (laughs) Nope.
1: But, yeah. That's the new species that's been discovered. The link I will provide also has the official description. And it is a newly discovered to science uh it was only got its official taxonomic description just three months ago
0: oh wow okay yep there we go new stuff a new jelly new jelly well from new to very old (laughs) it
1: is
0: (laughs) um the the headline here for my article is sold dinosaur skeleton that inspired velociraptors from jurassic park auctioned for 12.4 million dollars these people with all of this money—that means that's like a private collector, most likely. That's crazy. You got that much money to spend on one thing. Does it say
1: what he's doing? with
0: it? I don't know. I don't find. I'm gonna tell us who this person is who bought it. We're gonna see. We're gonna look into this a little bit. But anyway, I don't really care about so much who bought it until I saw that amount, and I'm like, you should be probably working on like global warming and like you know, poverty and stuff with that kind of money. Anyway, so we'll get into it a little bit. So a rare dinosaur fossil of Dianoticus. I don't know why I just said it that way, but that was close. Whatever, moving on. The species that inspired that the, <laughs> the species that inspired the appearance and behavior of the fearsome Velociraptor in the Jurassic Park movies just sold for the mammoth sum of twelve point four million on the auction block. The ten foot long, three meters, uh, skeleton unearthed in Montana in two thousand fifteen includes one hundred twenty six fossilized bones of Dionicus and how do you say entirepis. Antiropus? Oop, that's too much.
1: interopus
0: ropus Okay, sure. Dating to between 115 million and 108 million years ago during the Cretaceous period, according to Christie's. They literally just say Christie's. I don't know what that is. Okay, great. Which held the, oh, that's held the auction. Which held the auction on May 12th. So the American paleontologist Barnum Brown, what a great name, discovered the first Ionicus fossils in 1931, and later descriptions of the animals so awed Michael Crichton, the novelist behind the Jurassic Park series, that he rebranded the dinosaur as Velociraptor, a known turkey-sized relative of Ionicus from Mongolia, because he thought Velociraptor's name was more dramatic. I disagree. Anyway. But was it really, Casey? This is what the article goes on to say. Okay. Dionychus is a fairly metal name for those who know what it means. Terrible claw in Greek. Mm -hmm. A fitting moniker for an athletic and sharp-toothed meat-eater that likely used its sickle-shaped toe claws to slash and disembowel prey. However, even the paleontologist who named Dionychus in 1969, John Ostrom at Yale University, later acknowledged in an interview with New York Times that most people don't understand Greek... (laughs) No shit. Yeah. Um, and likely ah. didn't appreciate the ferocity of the dinosaur's true name. Oh, my gosh. Craziness. Anywho. But also, like, if you think about terrible claw, it makes so much sense because the kitchen scene.
1: Yeah. Obviously. Uh, so, anyway. Okay. as A biologist. That kitchen, sheet it's cool but it grinds my gears it's like that you would gotta never happen
0: grind your gears is your phrase today and yes. that makes you sound like 80 it, maybe like well, 60. what you don't know
1: is i'm an 80 year old in a mid-20s
0: okay, man's great, body great. <laughs> and why does it grind your gears casey it
1: would never do that it's <laughs> a killing claw and you're gonna dull it by tapping on concrete <laughs> it's it's been not in, happening. It's in,
0: been in captivity. It also was made by genetics. It didn't grow up with its mommy to teach it how to do things, Casey. <sighs> anyway. It was born with a flair for the dramatic. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, anyway, it goes on to obviously talk more about them. But it's, you know, it's cool and there you go. Um, so, I would love to have that much money that I can that I can buy a skeleton for that much. It's ridiculous to me. Anyway. So, I will link the article... So, we
1: don't know who this person is.
0: I don't see it, really. Uh. Um, they just talk about... Oh, its nickname is Hector. So, that's Hector. fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hector Apparently the... I from know, the Iliad. So, yeah. I don't know why... I don't really understand why that's a thing. Why did they name it... <laughs> I don't know why they named it Hector. I don't see the reason for that. I feel like it was someone, just, someone just liked it. Mm-hmm. Anyway.
1: Yeah, I always... I was going to say grab my gears again. When people Mm -hmm. buy these, like, pristine specimens of especially vertebrate fossils, it's like, no. (laughs) If it just sits in someone's private collection, it pisses me off.
0: Yeah, it should be in a museum where people can actually Mm -hmm. um, enjoy it. I'm just trying to see. uh, Yeah, and they just talk about some other past dinosaurs that have been auctioned off so i mean maybe it will wind up there because i yeah. think sometimes they buy it and then they wind up giving it to museums mm-hmm. or at least like leasing it to museums so anyway so we'll see what what happens but mm-hmm. anywho so that's that um must be nice to have that kind of money but also yeah jurassic park changed its velociraptor and i'm not exactly sure why but but uh whatever it's, it's what i forgot the name of it already mm-hmm. what claw where was it terrible claw yep Terrible it's pretty, call. It's pretty cool. I like that.
1: Yeah, Velociraptor translates to swift thief. By the way,
0: also awesome. It's yeah. a swift thief of your life. <laughs> yeah. It's not that swift for everybody, though. No, it's about uh-huh.
1: the size of a turkey. So. Well. If dinosaurs know. were still around, those were the ones you'd you would actually have know to what worry about because they would go after you, not T. Rex.
0: I just like chihuahuas. <laughs> It's the same idea.
1: Well, a T-Rex will go chasing after a human because it'd be like you running a marathon for a chicken nugget.
0: I am like, yeah, it's not worth the effort. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, if I could have a chicken nugget anyway. um,
1: Would you run a marathon for
0: it? Absolutely not. I wouldn't (laughs) run that for much of anything. Um, Anyway, I don't know why it made me think of it, but um, I'm going to have to try to find that picture. I I see the same thing too because it's in silhouette. Mm Mm-hmm. I forget the caption is, but something like, "Tell me why I thought these were little dinosaurs," and it's koati with their uh-huh. tails up in the air, <laughs> and they look like they're little mini dinosaurs because it's all like in silhouette, and I was like, legitimately, that's what I thought too it's by funny. looking at this picture. So, but um,
1: just as a side comment, Deinonychus is my by far one of my favorite dinosaurs, and far the reason for that is it was the first species of raptor where they definitively shown that it hunted in packs.
0: Oh, okay. Yep. That is mm-hmm. pretty cool. Mm-hmm.
1: They found a group of them around a. Th- the members that, of the pack that died around a Tenantosaurus um, that they could tell they were feasting on because of marks on the bones and stuff. Ooh. So, yeah.
0: Well, that's exciting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, that gets us into um, our picks. Yes. <laughs> oh, sounds excited about it. Um,. <laughs> And it was Casey, obviously, it was Casey's turn to choose. And what was the category, and what did you choose, Casey?
1: Interesting invertebrates.
0: Okay, which is, again, an insanely broad topic. I'm
1: giving you... The world is your oyster to choose from. I told you
0: I don't want it.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm giving it. (laughs)
0: You don't want what you're selling. Anyway, move (laughs) along. Go ahead and uh, tell us about your choice.
1: So I went with the sea angels. Okay. So sea angels actually belong our group that belong to the family Cleonidae. Um, Today, we will focus primarily on those in the genus Cleonee. Sea angels are found throughout the world's oceans, usually in cold and temperate waters, some living around at the surface, but can also be found at depths up to 600 meters below the surface. They are incredibly small animals, measuring only about 1-2 to centimeters in length. And they get the name sea angel because they have little appendages on the sides of their body that look like wings when they flap in order to swim. (laughs) they're cute Yes, the sea angel is actually a species of pelagic snail the wings are actually called parapodia and are actually a modification of the foot seen in land snails they have some resemblance to another animal called sea butterflies but the sea butterflies tend to be smaller and have shells both species actually start their lives in a shell but as they mature the sea angels will eventually undergo a kind of metamorphosis and will shed their shells these animals may have an angelic appearance, but they are actually predators and hunt other species of halagic gastropods, which includes the sea butterflies. In fact, there is one species, Cleonea uh whose entire diet is almost exclusively made up of sea butterflies, specifically from the genus Limeacina, hence how it got its species name. Okay. Hunting strategies vary between species. Some sea angels are ambush predators, waiting until prey swims by, while others are pursuit hunters and actively chase down their prey. When it is hunting and it comes into contact with prey, the sea angel will release a tentacle from its head called a buccal cones. The buccal cones contain what's called a radula, which is a characteristic shared amongst nearly all of the mollusks. It is like a rasping tongue covered with teeth. And that's just how it consumes its food. Ew. <laughs> Even though it is a predator, due to its tiny size, the sea angel is prey to many other species, and it has evolved defense mechanisms of its own. This mollusk produced a compound that it uses to deter fish, and is one of the only known mollusks in the world to produce its own chemical defense, rather than just accumulate it from another organism it eats. Ah. Mm. There are actually tiny crustaceans called amphipods that will take advantage of this, and they will hitch a ride on a sea angel's back to help avoid predation. Just like many other gastropods, the sea angels are hermaphrodites. So any two can reproduce together. They will come into contact and mate, which can last several hours. Then after two have fertilized each other's eggs, they will release the eggs into the water column. However, some sea angels are different in that they are sequential hermaphrodites. These species will change sexes at some point in its slice. This is seen in many other animal species, but it is different in the sea angels. Most sequential hermaphrodites are protogenous hermaphrodites, but the sea angel are protandrous hermaphrodites. This means that all individuals start off as a male, then will turn into females later in life, which is actually quite uncommon in the animal kingdom.
0: Because they're usually protogenous. Yes, most
1: sequential hermaphrodites are prot... Okay. Even though sea angels have not been properly assessed by organizations like the IUCN, it is likely they may soon be under threat. With rising carbon dioxide levels, there is more ocean acidification, which affects marine organisms' ability to produce shells made out of calcium carbonate. This will include the shelled gaspods, which, which, which make up a significant portion of the sea angels' diet, which may leave sea angels with little left to eat.
0: Oh dear, with their terrifying tongue. Yeah, <laughs> that's the stuff of nightmares, right yeah. there. You just gotta make it bigger.
1: <laughs> There's videos because lion snails also have this. It, it's. I think it's cute when you watch them eat. Okay. Just licking away with their rachula.
0: <laughs> no, not so much. Yep. Mm. Anyway, all right. Well, hopefully mine isn't as terrifying as far as that mm. goes. At least. So I chose, um, I, this was like, I think one of our nominations for an animal to shoot to talk about in one of the ocean times, I don't know where. Um, and I was like, that looks cool. (laughs) I'm going to use that because this category was way too broad. So I chose the sea pen and sea pens are actually a broad group that includes all animals in the order panatulacea. Going with that, which includes about 14 families and over 400 species. Of course, it does. Today, we will focus mostly on the orange sea pen. C-pen, the is that P silent? Is this gonna be like ptarmigan? Yeah, okay. Tilosarchus gurneyi. Mm hmm. That's insane. Sea pens are found all across the globe. The orange sea pen ranges from Alaska down to California. Sea pens are sedentary organisms that live on the sandy bottom of the ocean floor. They can be found at depths ranging from 13 to 68 meters below the surface. The orange sea pen can reach a height of around 45 centimeters. The sea pen gets its name due to how its shape resembles an old-fashioned, I would say an old-timey, quill pen. The sea pen is actually not a single animal, but is a colony of many organisms living together. They are in the phylum... A nadria. Why can't I say that? We've talked about it before. It's fun. You know it. I know I know it. Come but on, why you don't know, know it. it. Cnidaria? Yes. Okay. All the silent things. <laughs> All the silent things today. Anyway, now I guess highlighting it really does make it easier to read. <laughs> anyway, Um, okay. So they are in the phylum Nidaria, which includes organisms like sea jellies, box jellies, and anemones. The sea pens are actually closely related to the soft coral. The characteristic that sets the sea pen apart from corals is that the sea pen displays polyp dimorphism are you going to explain what that is okay yes, here we go I will. I was, <laughs> well
1: I like, you will
0: i don't see <laughs> anyway the sea pen is made up of several anemone-like organisms working together to survive but there is a primary polyp that will lose its tentacles and forms the stock of portion of the sea pen the secondary polyps that branch off from this one will become specialized and perform a different role. Some will be responsible for feeding, called Zooids. Zooids? autozoids? Okay, sure. auto-zoids. <laughs> Zoids. Autozoids. Autozoids. Zoids. mm sound drunk already. <laughs> and use tentacles filled with stinging cells named nemeti- ne- sorry, nematosis. Nematocytes. Ha ha.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's also, it's not like this is the first time we've talked about
0: it. I know, but it might be the first time I've read it. <laughs> nematocytes?
1: Yes, nematocytes.
0: Great. Okay, perfect. Um, Cells called nematocytes to capture plankton. Other polyps are responsible for reproduction and others move water in and out of the canals of the body for ventilation to distribute oxygen. I'm already loopy. This is going to be great. Okay. Most sea pens have separate sexes, with a single sea pen usually being either male or female. But there are some species that are hermaphrodites, and similar to corals, they reproduce by massive seasonal spawning events. The sea pen does have some predators to worry about, such as the leather star. What have we not talked about that? And a group of sea slugs known as nudists. Nudibranch?
1: Nudibranchs.
0: (laughs) Nudibranchs. It's just full of words I'm not going to get right today. Anyway, even though it is a sedentary animal, the sea pen is not defenseless. When it gets attacked, the sea pen will force water out of its body and retreat into its foot. Of course, it will. Sea pens have (laughs) not been properly assessed by the IUCN Red List. However, studies have shown that some species, such as the orange sea pen, are in decline. They were once very common in areas like the Puget Sound, but have declined drastically. Their predators like sea stars and nudibranchs, is that what it was? Yes, it's Okay, great, have also disappeared, leaving barren, sandy bottom areas, and without these animals, it affects animals at the top of the food chain as well, but scientists are not sure why sea pens have started disappearing. All right, that was a rough one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to recover. I'm laughing too much. I got tears. It's great. <laughs> Perfect. Anyway. um, And you know what? You know what? This is going to be my segue. Okay. Okay? All right. A pen looks like an old-timey pen. Yeah. And this next thing we're going to talk about also has an old-timey accessory, sort of. Okay. And our animal of the week this week is... <laughs>
1: The bonnet head shark.
0: Because it's wearing a bonnet. It's not actually wearing a bonnet. Now I want to see a shark wearing a bonnet. (laughs) Can you imagine a great white shark with a bonnet? It's a lot less scary. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like the wolf pretending to be grandma. Oh, my God. Anyway, this is where we're going today, obviously. Mm -hmm. I see what's happening. Great. Perfect. All right. Tell us about the bonnet head shark, Casey. Yes.
1: So these guys come to the order of hmm They are in the family Sphyrnidae. And their scientific name is tiburo. They are found along the Atlantic coast of North America from Rhode Island down to Brazil. They are also found in the Eastern Pacific, ranging from Southern California down to Ecuador. It is estimated that this species has a lifespan of around 12 years, but they may live longer. It is the smallest of the hammerhead sharks. Like other sharks, they are sexually dimorphic, with females getting larger than males. They average about 0.7 to 1 meter in length and there are some individuals that may get to be one and a half meters. They are relatively social for a shark species and are usually found in same-sex schools of around 10 to 15 sharks but occasionally can be found in much larger congregations from 100 to even a thousand sharks in some instances. Wow. This species also has been known to use some visual displays for communication. Males will make a hunched posture towards other sharks These sharks have also been seen um, head-shaking and snapping their jaws, which are all suspected to be ways to maintain dominance within the school. Like the other hammerhead species, the most notable feature of the bonnet head shark is its distinctive head shape. The head in these sharks is also known as a cephalofoil. In this species, though, it is much more rounded and more shovel-shaped than other hammerheads. Even amongst the hammerheads, though, the bonnethead's head is unique in that it is the only known shark species in which the head shape differs between the sexes. Oh, The edge of the head is more rounded in the females of the species, while it is more pointed in the males. Some of the hypotheses for the evolution of this unique head shape of the hammerhead is that it may incre- increase maneuverability and give added lift to the shark. The way the water moves across the set foil, it acts similar to how air moves across an airplane wing, providing it with lift, which may help it make much sharper turns and more maneuverable in general compared to other sharks. The eyes are located at opposite sides of the head, which increases its field of vision, and this allows it to better detect predators that may approach it from behind. It is also possible that it gives them a sentry advantage because it allows the shark to have more ampu- ampullae de Lorenzini. These ampullae are tiny canals across the head of all shark species that detect the electrical impulses emitted by mussels, which allow the shark to detect prey that may be hidden beneath the sand. It is the diet though of this species that makes it truly unique among sharks. They actively hunt small crustaceans and small fish that live on the ocean floor, This is much harder prey compared to other hammerheads, which are often known to hunt rays. Because of this, they have different kinds of teeth in the front of their jaw, has smaller, sharper teeth for hunting soft prey, while in the back of their mouth they have broader molar-like teeth that are used to crush the shells of prey like crabs and snails. Hmm. But this is not the weirdest part of the bonnethead's feeding habits. Okay. Some of the other weird things about these sharks, like they are known to reproduce asexually through a process called parthenogenesis. In an aquarium, a bonnethead gave birth to a pup without any males in its tank, and an analysis of the shark showed that it had no father, and all of its DNA came from its mother. Oh. The thing that sets the bonnethead apart from all other sharks is that it is the world's only omnivorous species of shark. Oh. They are often found in seagrass beds, and it was suspected that they were in this area hunting for crabs and other invertebrates. Scientists would observe these sharks sucking up seagrass, but it was much more than what they would expect if it was just incidental. Some individuals have been found with gut contents that were 60% seagrass. Whoa! However, just consuming the grass does not make an animal an omnivore. For example, cats are well known for eating grass but they are still obligate carnivores because they aren't digesting it. This is not the case with the bonnethead, though. One scientist fed a captive bonnethead's 90% seagrass and 10% squid diet, and these sharks actually gained weight. Wow. They looked at the macronutrients of what they were fed and compared it to the macronutrients in the poop and found that these sharks are more efficient than pandas at digestion and as efficient as young green sea turtles.
0: What? What? Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm.
1: In another feeding experience, scientists perform what is called a stable isotope analysis. Um, so, atoms can have different numbers of total neutrons and protons. Um, neutrons will vary, protons will be the fixed. There's radioactive ones where they're unstable and they will turn eventually into another element, but there's stable ones um, such as carbon 13 whereas they'll usually find carbon-12 in organic organisms because it's a lighter element and easier to use. So what they found that when they tagged um, the seagrass with these carbon-13 isopes, they found that there was an increase in carbon-13 in their liver, showing very definitively that they are omnivorous sharks.
0: Weird. Yeah. So they're only shark who is an omnivore. Yes. Crazy.
1: hmm The bonnethead shark was recently uplisted from least concerned to endangered back in 2020. This shark species is threatened by the fishing industry as it is caught incidentally in shrimp trawlers. They are also commonly caught in artisanal fisheries in parts of the Atlantic. The situation is not great in the Pacific either because recent research has failed to find this species in the Gulf of Mexico and is now uncommon around the southern region of Mexico. And it seems they are also suffering from loss of habitat due to coastal development. In order to help the species, they there are gill net bans in parts of the US. Mexico is also implementing restrictions and bans on fishing in areas around coral reefs, but they are known, there are known enforcement problems. There are several marine protected areas that this species lives in that the Provide it protection, but there needs to be more enforcement and work to mitigate bycatch as well as understand the species population trends.
0: All right. So that's the yep. bonnet head shark. Yes. I pulled up a picture. It does look like a bonnet. I know. it's And so cute. it also looks like a bonnet because most hammerheads, like it goes out further. It's like barely off the main head. Yeah. The cephalofoil is that what it's called?
1: Yes. It's called a cephalofoil.
0: Anyway, it really does look like a bonnet. So there you yep. go. From old-timey yeah. sea pens to bonnethead mm-hmm. head sharks. Yeah.
1: They yeah. also got a, um, they were one of the species included in the green assessment that the IUCN Red List is doing, mm-hmm. and they have been assessed as largely depleted. Oh, okay. Because of these population declines.
0: Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Well, Casey.
1: Yes, Alex? What
0: did the shark, who happens to be a Clint Eastwood fan, say as a threat? I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. Make-o-my-day. <laughs> mm. I obviously didn't expect you to get that, but I enjoyed that one <gasps> quite immensely. All right. Well, that brings us to our challenge, mm-hmm. and we have not done this in a while, so I figured we should we should try our hand at this again. Um, so we are going to name animals okay. with a certain amount of letters in their name. Okay. I am using a D10 to decide how many letters. I will say it can't be three, four, or five because we've used that before. <laughs> I'm gonna make it easier at one Wait, point. Wait, this is
1: amount of letters, right? Yes, Okay.
0: not syllables. So uh, I I know at one point we like switched the letter so we couldn't think ahead too much. I think let's just keep it the same amount of letters the whole time.
1: Same amount and of letters. S's
0: are fine, so if it's like cats, right, you can put an S on it. So let's see what, I might have to roll this a few times because like I said, three, four, and five are <laughs> roll again. Great, we got a six, so. That's a new mm-hmm. one. So we have to do animals that begin with six, to begin with six, that have six letters in their name. Okay. Do you have your timer handy? Am I getting mine out? I got mine. Okay. So let's try five minutes. I five think. minutes? Five minutes. Okay. Let's see how far we can get with this. Um, I'm already panicking, actually, because spelling is my Five forte. minutes.
1: Oh, we're going to do awful. Uh,
0: it's going to be really bad. I feel like six is going to be a bad number. I don't know why exactly, but um, all right. So are we? Who's going first? Here, I, I, evens. I go first. Odds. You go first. Okay, please. It was me. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, Ready? Not really, but okay, go for it. Go. We're gonna have a lot of fingers happening. Tigers.
1: Tigers. <laughs> Dang. This <laughs> fishes.
0: Fishes? Did you check? Yeah, that's right. That's
1: yeah.
0: Right. Um, I had to check this. Oh damn seven um sharks
1: oh my gosh sharks. oh I'm
0: just gonna do' we're doing multiples of yeah so. and that's
1: not gonna work two can
0: okay yeah, okay, okay monkey Ah. <gasps> Bonobo. Really? It's just one O's. Okay. (laughs) Just just singular O's the whole way through. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, dang. It's one too many. Uh, Uh. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Um. Is that how they're spelled? Then I forget how to spell things. Which I've always sucked at spelling anyway. Um. I'm freaking out. Oh, my gosh. Um. Just pick an animal group, Ally, and stay there. Um, oh no. Horses.
1: Chimps. <laughs> Dang it.
0: Okay, um, 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 freaking out. Uh, so many bird names are so long. Uh, eagles. Grouse, um, cattle.
1: Cattle. <laughs> mm.
0: We have listed no actual specific animal, by the way. Weasel. Am I trusting you on that? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. Um. It. Dang it. Ha. No. Nope. Lemurs. Um, how are we doing on time, by the way?
1: Uh a little over two minutes.
0: Okay. Oh no. <laughs> we have to do this for more than two minutes. Oh god. Okay, you said lemurs. Um dang it. Um Uh, ooh. are we okay I didn't decide that we didn't say that can it be two words together to make one animal sure okay kick fox Uwakari um <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> um mm, too long that's too long Hippos? <laughs> Whales. Okay. Not... This is not great. Ah, too many. Um, I love the amount of times so we're having to count on our fingers. <laughs> oh. No. Wait. No, it's too much. Marcour. Yeah. Yay. Civets. Um... Adders. Fine. (laughs) I mean, it's type of snake. Cobras. Okay. Um... Mm. Freaking out, man. Uh... Trouts.
1: All right. (laughs) Squids. (laughs)
0: This is great. Uh, You said squids? Okay. Um, Otters.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
0: Honestly, we did a lot better than I thought uh, we would do. Yeah. Uh, 25. Numbat. No
1: 25.
0: Bat. We literally named, like, two animals that were, like, a specific animal. And everything else was just <laughs> plurals. Plurals of something real basic. Mm. Except for my kit fox was kind of a little bit, but anyway. Yeah. All right. Mm. Um. Honestly, it, w- it could have been worse. It could have been worse. I'm okay with that. That was stressful. It was for me, at least.
1: Mm-hmm yeah um, i was like i can i was for most of them i got one right away after you were done <laughs> <sighs> just that last one and i'm mad because that was an animal of the week that i just named
0: numbat yeah i'm sure we had other uh, ones that would have worked too mm-hmm. i just couldn't like pick a category and keep going with it i was jumping all over the place so i was like oh my god pick like fish or pick birds or something and stick to it anyway Um, All right. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 83. Thank you for listening. As always, we're your hosts, Allie.
1: And Casey. And we will catch
0: you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts podcast.